Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to oh, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drum. Beat out old trouble and drum. Beat out old trouble and drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Well, here we are in Radical Australia at 1603 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast if, as I keep saying, the drug dealer next door knocks on your door wants a cup of sugar for his meth lab. Don't <laughs> despair. The program is podcast. Now, Dale Bridge is moving home. She's moving her snail shell from one suburb to another. But in her place, we have Kelly. The only way you'll get a clap, Kelly, is when you clap yourself. All right. And the guest is Terence, commonly known as Terry Americano Stavos. Yeah. How art thou, Terry? Thou, thou artest very well, Dr. Toscano. Dr. Toscano, a man who understands the academic world. I'm pleased that you're here. I've had hundreds of guests over the years, and nobody's called me Dr. Toscano, but you can continue calling Dr. Toscano, or you can call me Joe. It's up to you, or Joseph. Well, of course, you'll send me a bill for, uh, for your uh, expertise in the medical field, I uh, suppose. I may slice and dice you psychologically, but... <laughs> I'm doing it for the pure pleasure. There's no economic <laughs> imperative in this relationship. Good Terry. on you, Joe. Now, Terry, what year were you born? Uh, I'd rather not reveal my age. Oh, come on. Yeah. T- tell us what year were you born. Yeah, no, you I don't. don't want to do it? No, no. Oh, Terry was born in 1926, okay? That yep. makes him uh, 95 or something. Yep, fair enough. Okay, all right. Now, now, Terry, what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? Well... The only uh, the only thing that I remember was uh, coming to Australia with with my parents uh, back in the nineteen fifties, yeah. and uh, growing up in. Um, good question. Now, um, I think uh, when we first came here, we s- started at West Footscray yeah. with my aunt, and then then yeah. after that we went and. Yeah, lived. but have you got any specific memories that stand out in your mind? Not really. Not really. Okay. No. Now you can take those things off your ears. They're useless. Yeah. yeah. Just put them on the. F- don't worry about yep. it. What, don't worry. She's only the producer. She yeah. doesn't know anything. Okay. She's done training and she's yeah. done courses. What does she know okay. about radio? Just talk to me. Yeah. Just pretend you're at home. Now, Terry, you just outed yourself. You said you came here as a child in the 1950s. Yeah. You realise you just outed yourself regarding your age? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <are you? laughs> right. Okay. What did you come over on? A surfboard or something? No, we came. We came on an old. Uh, German warship that was renamed the the Toscana. 
The Toscana. Yeah. Oh, right. I didn't get, I didn't get a cut yeah. out of that, no, mate. No. So I'm responsible for your yeah. family coming here. I don't like that. Yeah. Where, where the hell did you come from? Uh, I was born in Cairo, Egypt. In Cairo? Yeah. All right. And, uh, and background of your parents? My, my parents were actually uh, born in Egypt themselves right. of, uh, of Greek background. Greek background. And how far back does that go? Um, well, my paternal and maternal grandfathers, uh, yeah. the, the, the maternal one, he came from Istanbul or what, what was then known as Constantinople. Right. Uh, for, from what I remember, uh, mum saying that he left somewhere pe- before World War One, mm-hmm. uh, and he went to Egypt. Yep. My, uh, my paternal grandfather was born on the island of Limnos. Right. Uh, and went to Egypt as a as a young child during the 1870s, and 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 he made a name for himself in the cotton industry for a time, mm-hmm. and he and he died in Egypt. Both but both grandparents actually uh, mm-hmm. died in Egypt. How about the grandmothers? My my maternal uh, grandmother, she was uh, born in uh, in the Suez Canal, I think the uh, mm-hmm. Ismailia. Right. Um, she she came to Australia. She only lived. Not not even a year, and she uh, she died of cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other grandma, I have no idea. No idea. So why were all these Greeks going to Egypt in the uh, late nineteenth century? What was going on? Well, th- for a start, uh, g- during the eighteen eighties, uh, Egypt had been occupied, had become basically a British possession, mm-hmm. and uh, and also to living in the Ottoman Empire was not a, a great thing, and uh, so. So I suppose my, my grandparents were looking for uh, for a safe haven. Mm-hmm. So Egypt well, was a safe haven for, for Greeks and, and, and for other minorities that, that, that lived in the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. Have you got any idea why your parents decided to shift the whole family across to Australia in the well, 50s? Well, well, the thing is that my mum had uh, had her siblings or uh, her sister and, and brother already here. Right. And so, so that's why we uh, we came here. Otherwise, my my father was uh, from from what I remember, he he actually what was in two minds. Uh, he wanted to go to Greece, uh, and he even even thought for a time he d- did tell me he wanted to go and live in the United States. But right, uh, but he right. came here to to, right. to please mum. But basically, uh, it seems to be the way of life, isn't it? You yeah. always do things to please your partner. Yeah. That's the dilemma, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I can see your eyes kind of glinting there. <laughs> we won't go into that. No, area. fair enough. All right. I don't want to embarrass you yeah. on national yeah. radio. Yeah. International yeah. radio, because this program streams live on 3cr.org.au, and we have five maybe internet listeners if we're lucky <laughs> that's good that's a <laughs> worldwide audience it is a worldwide one in each continent yeah. we actually we actually plant them there terry did you, did you ever you got any brothers and sisters yeah i have a sister yeah she, just a sister yeah right. she was born here she was born here yeah. so um how old were you when you arrived do you think uh i think about four or five or six years yeah. old and did you come to melbourne yeah yeah and uh, what was life like for a young Greek boy in the fifties in primary school here in, in a state primary well, school? Well, we, we were teased. We were teased. What do you mean we, you were teased? We were called uh, dagos. Right. We were called wops. We were called uh, very nasty names. So when they say a name hurts, it does hurt. It does hurt. Yeah. So uh, the current um, push to 
put these types of names aside and people say, oh, it's just a joke. We only do it as a joke. It's not a joke as far as you're concerned. Yeah. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Uh, mm. I, mean, I mean, look, you can say it in a, in a joking way, mm. but, uh, but generally speaking, when you say it in a, in a serious way, mm. words do hurt. They're, yeah. they're, they're like a knife. It's, uh, it's best my, my – my dad actually put it in a very nice way. Mm. It's better for you to punch me in the face rather than call me a name because names can sting and they can leave they can leave uh, an imprint in your mind that's right so was this a, a daily occurrence in the uh, state school you went to in the primary school uh, some days some days it some, wasn't uh, yeah. it wasn't all the day but uh, but the right. thing was that what helped us sh- shielded us uh, to some extent was that we had kids uh, you know, Greeks, right. Italians, uh, kids from what is now the former Yugoslavia. Mm. So we were sort of formed like a like a little uh, self protection society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, <laughs> yes, yeah. Because you're not a big bloke, Terry. No, 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 no. You would need a little bit of help in the schoolyard from some of the bigger Croatian. Oh yeah, some oh, of the bigger Croatian yeah. Ukrainian boys, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, we were very good because what we used to do uh, to, to to keep our buddy buddy situation, we, we used to play soccer at, at, together. Right, primary school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it was yeah. really fun. Oh, you enjoyed soccer. Yeah, I do. I still still love it oh, now. We'll go into that in a minute. But yeah. what, did you play any particular position at primary school? Uh, I, I can't I, see you as goalkeeper. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I actually actually was a striker, and I and I used to score quite a lot of goals. Oh, well, that's good. Well, how about academically? Did you score any goals in primary school? Um, I wasn't a. I was just an average student. So basically, you came. You didn't speak a word of English. Obviously, no, no, you no. had to pick up the language. Yeah, and, yeah. It's quite common. I mean, it's the same in my situation. I went, when I went to school, I didn't know a word of English, and uh, it just takes a few years to get to know the language and mm. get the things moving. It's not till you get to high school that you kind of, kind of, um, the flower, the bud opens up. Now, did your bud open up in high school? Or did it take a bit longer? Um, my my English uh, improved uh, very quickly when when I started going to primary school. Mm. Um, I never was particularly good in, uh, in English expression, uh, but uh, as I've gotten older mm. and, have, and have become a writer and an author uh, mm. as such, it, 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 it has improved by, by leaps and bounds. But also, too, is when you speak another language mm. or, or you can pick up other languages, you know, snippets of it here and there, yeah. it actually does help you improve you know, mm. your English language skills because, like, for example, in the English language, mm. there, there are a lot of Greek words. Yep. And so, so that helps me very, very much to understand the context of a word, you know, that, that I write mm. or, you know, when I write a particular sentence or a paragraph. So, so when you came from Cairo, did you have any Arabic? Did you know any Arabic or was it mainly Greek? Um, I, I knew some of the very uh, choice words, you like, know, which like, every like swear like, words. Like imshi. Oh, well, uh, anyway, I, I could say – I won't say them on air because <laughs> – well, No, that no, just means piss off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, not very yeah. rude. It's just get yeah. away, get away. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there are other yeah. words that there I There are learned. many other words which yeah. we won't discuss. No, 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 no. It's, it's not the four. It is a family show. Yeah, the kiddies, fam- yep, there's yep. kiddies coming home from school. <laughs> so what high school did you go to? I went to Footscray High School. Footscray. Well, well, but before Footscray High School, I went to what was called Central School. Right. In Hyde Street in Footscray. What's a central school? So central schools were, because there weren't many high schools uh, around in those days, mm-hmm. uh, they used to have like years uh, seven and eight mm-hmm. uh, attached uh, to, to a primary school. Right. And then, then when, when, you, when you're getting close to finishing year eight, 
then then you could apply to go to, for argument's sake, down to Willie High, Williamstown High or University High or Footscray High. So I, I got into Footscray High. Now, that school doesn't exist now because uh, the Westgate Freeway goes through there now. Right. All right. And what was life like for you know, a young Greek-Australian boy in high school in those days? It was really fun because... Uh, I made a lot of friends, mm-hmm. and again, because we all had a common interest in playing the you know, football or, or mm. soccer, mm. we we used to play uh, every lunchtime uh, and sort of in the sort of the the playtime, mm. the, the the breaks that we had in the morning or afternoon, and uh, we used to play uh, games like that, and we used to have sort of like inter inter house, you know, the uh, say. House A, House yep, B, you know, yep, yep. and you know, and, and I would play safe for whatever house it was, and we would, and it was quite competitive, and also too that sort of led me to play a number of games for for the then for our high school team as well. Mm. So, so that's that, that, yeah, in those days a soccer, a high school soccer yeah, team. Yeah, right. yeah, okay, that's that's it. That's interesting. Um, so obviously AFL wasn't a big thing at your school because mm. it was mainly a minor. You no, know, there school. was. I mean, I mean, yeah. there, you know, that that was more for these. Let, let's say for the Anglo-Saxon kids, R- right? And yeah. and so some kids who might have been of Italian background or Greek background mm. who were born in Australia, yeah, So yeah. they had more interest in say Aussie rules that than the round ball game, right? But some of them we actually converted them over, right. and, and they and they and they played both sports. Oh, well, that's good. Did you? Uh, Look, I know this is a sensitive subject, Terry, but did you actually graduate from high school? Because a lot of kids didn't in those days. No, I didn't. No, right. I didn't. Mm. You know, I, how uh, far did you go? I went up to uh, year eleven, mm-hmm. and uh, and then then I started to work, and then uh, then did I, you need to work because your parents? Well, were in a I, part, I didn't want. I, I started to hate school. Right. Any so, particular reason? Um. I just wanted to go and start making money because some of my friends had had a car. Right. They, they used to go out to, to rock dances and all that. So I, I, I got jealous. So I wanted to go out and start earning some uh, some pounds, shillings and pence, whatever it was in those days. So what's that, in the early 60s, was it? Uh, well, this is about uh, yeah mid-60s now. Mid-60s yeah. by then, right. And what was your first job? I actually was working as a clerk at the Australian Glass Factory in Spotswood. Ah, when we had a manufacturing Exactly industry. right, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And what, what that did? What did that entail? Well, I, I used to work in the uh, what's called the production uh, section, uh-huh. where they used to make the the moulds that were that we that we used to make the bottles. Right. And uh, my my job was was to keep a tally what went in, what went out, and and to order new uh, new materials mm. for mm. the you know for mm. the machines that where yeah. the bottles were made. No, no nobody tapped you on your shoulder and uh, kind of uh, introduced you to corruption. No no no. No nothing like that. No 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 no. <laughs> uh, I, I used to go there do my job and go home and that was that it. That was it. That was yep. it. Long, well, can you remember actually uh, your first cause you used to, did you have pay packets in those days? Yes. Can yes. you remember your first pay packet? Yep, it was it was the princely sum if I can uh, 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 do it in a stra- in dollars there. $16.50 less the tax. $16.50. So it yep. was pounds, shillings and pence. Yep. So before 66. Yep. Oh, it was eight pounds, two and six. Eight pounds, two and six. Yes. Which would be considered to be a reasonable wage. In those days, yes. Yeah, because yes. yeah, eight pounds is eight pounds. Yeah. And did you actually get to that? Uh, did, you, did your boyhood dream become reality and you bought a car? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I used to use the train <laughs> and the bus. 
So what happened to the bloody money? Uh, you had well, to pay board to, or something? No, I, I used to used to help uh, mum and dad. Right, because right. Uh, mum mum never worked. So uh, mm. so basically, were but before I started working, we were basically a one wage uh, family. But mm. it was interesting, you know, in those days with one wage, you could still live reasonably well. Mm. Whereas today, you can have two or three and four salaries, and you, and and the expenses are right. way way out of kilter. Did your parents get to the stage where they were actually buying a home? Uh, yes, they, they they bought they, they bought their first house in 1956 in a place called Seddon. Within what's that? Two or three years of arriving, they bought a house. Uh, within within four or five years, yes, yeah. they bought a house. Yeah. Oh. and uh, and of course, you know, dad, you know, paid it off. Uh, yeah. what, what was was he doing? Factory work, labouring work? Well, or? well, my dad, my dad actually was was an accountant mm-hmm. for, from Egypt. Right. And uh, when, when he came here to Australia, he he worked as a labourer doing. You know, like, like he used to call like working like a convicted criminal, right? Uh, you know, uh, hitting, well, hitting, hitting, well, he hitting, came to Australia. Yeah. What do you expect? Yeah. You know. But anyway, uh, and then th- then he left that job, and yeah. then he then he went to, to the glass factory in in Spots, and that's how I got the job through right. him. Nepotism, that's yeah. okay, yeah. And anyway, and, uh, and so so when he went to the job, they said to him. Uh, you know, you work for a couple of uh, months in the you know in the factory, so you get to know whatever, and then he started to see, uh, you know that. A year went by, and he was still doing the same sort of work. After they promised him that within three months or whatever it was that he work work as an accountant or mm. work, work in the office, and one day he actually he he got the courage and and saw the general manager and mm. he called him over and he explained to him this 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 and that and he said okay I'll I'll check it out and it was true what what he told him and and within within a couple of days he was. He, he got the job that he had originally. He was oh, he was good. supposed to get right. And, and was he one of these people like I am? Has been the same job all his life uh, once he got that accountancy job with the, uh, at, well, at the factory. Later on, later on, because uh, uh, Australian glass manufacturers was part of the Australian Consolidated Industries. Mm. Uh, after that, he he left at Spotswood, and then he then he went, I think, to Macaulay, which is in the New North Melbourne. Yeah, uh, and he were, and he was a credit manager for uh, for Crown Corning. Right, right. So, what? You're seventeen. You're a clerk. You're getting what is it? Eight pounds, one and six. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you have any ambitions at that stage? Well, I always I always wanted to be a a history and geography teacher. Why? I don't know. I was just always interested in history. Mm. Uh, for what reason, I have no idea. Mm. Uh, but but that's uh, and that's the career w- which I've taken thereafter. You know, I'm now, mm. now uh, you know a historian, free and mm. now slash uh, free freelance writer as well. Yeah, now. we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. That's the boring part of your yeah. life. Thanks. <laughs> that's the most exciting part of it. Yeah. Well, that's what you think. But yeah. you know, I've got to build it up. Yeah, okay, okay. This is this is a one hour interview, okay. Terry. There's no music. There's okay. no community announcements. <laughs> Um, Kelly's not like Dale. She's not going to interrupt when I'm too rude because she's too young to interrupt. She hasn't got the courage yet, but she will get it. Uh, And the thing is, I've got to to build you up, mate. Yeah, of course. Now, what happened to your round ball career as a 17-year-old when when you left high school? Well, it was was really strange uh, in... uh, in my last year, in uh, year eleven or form five, as it was known then, mm-hmm. we played. I was Footscray High School played against Maribyrnong High, mm-hmm. and at that stage, from the, from what we were told, Maribyrnong High had the had the Victorian under sixteen forward line, under eighteen, whatever it was, right. and they thumped us nine one. Right, right. Absolutely, was absolutely a shellacking. Yeah. 
And anyway, and I scored an own goal. All right. Oh! I almost scored a second one. And, uh, and th- then I had the, ch- I, I, I don't know whether I, whether I was cheeky or whether I had the guts. I, I go up to our coach. He was also our phys ed teacher. And uh, I said, uh, Mr. Uh, Cleary, I think his name was. I uh, said, Mr. Cleary, is there a chance I could become the, uh, the, the captain of the side? He said, get out of my side. <laughs> <laughs> was that the end of your career? Yeah, well, basically, yeah. He, he never went back to soccer as, as, no, as a player. No, no. Then I just played in the local park after that, you know. With, right. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, life moves on. How long were you at the, at the glass factory for as a clerk? Uh, I was there from uh, no, for about six years. Six years. Yeah. So you're, you're a young man by the yeah. time you left, yeah. 22, 23. Yeah. So why did you leave? Uh, I was given my marching orders. Yeah, you weren't. They didn't, you didn't break all the bowls, did you? No, 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 no. I, I had a. After uh, after that, I was I was actually transferred into the uh, into the production planning department, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing production planning and all that. And uh, the, the boss that I had was uh, was not a nice guy, and he, he he took a jaundiced view to me from almost for, from day one, and uh, and he basically said to me, "I don't like you." Uh, you're not a good worker, so so that sort of hurt me a little bit. Mm. So uh, in the end, they told me that uh, to, to seek greener pastures, and I'm I'm glad that I did leave that place. Yeah, did they give you a glowing reference? Oh yes, they did. Of they, course, they usually do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so where did that glowing reference well, lead you after, to? Uh, after that, I uh, worked for, for for a couple of years for a, an American company, uh, mm-hmm. Sperry Vickers. Which made uh, hydraulics for, for you know for cars and you know and uh, tractors and so on, and uh, there there I got retrenched not not because I wasn't doing a good job because because the the Australian economy took a dive in nineteen seventy four seventy five yeah so so a, a lot of my co- colleagues you know lo- lost their job mm. as such so were you still living at home in your mid twenties. Well, you moved out by then? No, no. So I was actually living, uh, living uh, with yeah, with uh, mum and dad. Right. right. Yeah. So when did you fly the nest? Well, after uh, a couple of years later, I, I, I get married, and then uh, th- then then I had a business. Hang on, hang on. You got married. Yeah. So love entered your life. Yeah. Oh, what? Well, wasn't an arranged marriage, was it? No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Okay. Well, let's get to clear this up. Yeah. yeah no, there's no, 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 no arranged marriage. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Do you, you want to mention your wife's name, or you want to keep her uh, I'll private? Keep her, yeah, I'll keep, keep her out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I reckon she could be embarrassed yeah. by all this. Yeah, <laughs> all that's coming yeah. out. Yeah, the same as the kids. You yeah. know, who knows what? Who's listening? All right. So your own business. So we got retrenched. So you did the only thing you could do is because the economy's down. Yeah. You started your own business. What was your own business? Well, it was actually like like a, a milk bar mix business. My, I can't believe it. A Greek lad opens a milk bar mix business. In Melbourne, yeah, in uh, actually West Footscray, <laughs> Footscray, yeah, West West Footscray. <laughs> you follow, hey, this this is not leading. <laughs> this is this is this is you know this, you could you, I could have scripted this you know yeah. I could have got Con the Fruiter to come <laughs> in and tell me about this. All right, now you're not a milk bar man because you no 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 you're wasn't. not you're not very pleasant as far as you know with other folk. I've noticed sometimes yeah. you get a bit short because they're yeah. stupid, but like me. <laughs> so how long did that last? It, that actually lasted for, uh, f- five years. Five years, yeah. And, uh, did in you... that time, mm. in that time, I think it was from 1979 to 84, um, mm. 
that's when I started. Uh, I was doing off-campus university studies. Hang on, hang on, hang on. How's, how does a bloke who gets to year 11 and is running a milk bar, which is obviously a seven-day-a-week well, job, you know? Well, what I did, what I did in between... Uh, going with the business, well, starting the business, starting university, uh, I did a certificate of business studies, right? Which uh, which then qualified me as a as a as an accountant in the Institute of Affiliate Accounts. But I never, but I never pursued the uh, right. the uh, right. the uh, mm. job. This is while you're running the milk bar. You're doing all this. Well, I did that before before I, uh, before I bought the milk bar. I, I did my certificate of business studies, mm. and then, mm. then I completed that. And then, then, then we bought the business. Mm. Uh, I was actually in between when I was doing my certificate of business studies. I was working for Answered Freight Express, right? Uh, at, at the time, uh, working in the general office, you know, processing right, credit right, claims right. and uh, accounting yeah. claims and all that yeah. sort of well, stuff. Well, you've moved from job to job when you were younger. Was it difficult in those days to move from job to job? You you could have gotten a job almost every day. That, that easy? Yeah, it was that easy. And uh, and you didn't need all all this garbage now, like you know you got to fill out a CV, and and you got to tailor your CV to the job, and you got to read the job description to to match this and to match that. You know, yeah. in those days, you used to used to ring up and say, look, uh, Joe, for example, yeah. uh, you know you got a job to to do X, Y, whatever, Z, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd go there, fill out the form, they'd interview you, and then yeah. and and then of course you'd have day. some yeah, you'd yeah. have some references, of course, written yeah. references. And then you'd start the next day. Yeah, yeah. next day. Or... I remember when I first started university, I needed a job for three months. I just walked into a place called Lysart Steel. You just went to the industrial complex and just walked around and hawked yourself from place to place. You get a job. Yeah, it's that simple. It was easy in those days. Yeah. Not now. Not no, now. No, no. It's 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 unnecessarily complex. Like you got to do a pre-apprentice training before you can do an apprenticeship. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's exactly. It's, it's all exactly. it's all been now. Oh yeah. Commodified. So let's get him back. So you got your certificate, but you ran the milk bar. So no, know. that that was uh, look. I, I was at Answered Freight Express right. after after I left at Sperry Vickers. Right. I I, I got a job at. Yeah. Um, uh, at Answered Freight Express, yep. and in that time, I was also doing my, my certificate of business studies, right. which I completed. But you had that before you started the milk bar. Yes, yes. Then yes. you did the milk bar for five years, and then then when I started the milk bar, I also started university through. What university would accept you? Deakin, I, mean, I, I wouldn't accept you. Deakin <laughs> University. Well, they actually accepted me as a, as a mature age student. What? What, you're about 90 by then, weren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were born in 26. Yeah. A mature age student. Yeah. Was it difficult? Getting no, in? no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't because uh, I just read uh, that the courses which they offered, mm. uh, f- filled out the application, and, and of course, it, in those days, there were no tuition fees. No, that's right, yeah. And that was the beauty of it. You know, the only uh, the only thing that, that we uh, – I, I used to do it by off-campus or, or – Correspondence, but basically yeah. that's a fancy name for it. Mm. Uh, I, I used to get the, I used to uh, get all the library materials via via, via um, one of the transport companies. Yep, all free. Yeah. Now, forget it. You're up for big bucks now. Yeah, it is. Uh, people forget that the people of our vintage, and I put you in my vintage, uh, of our vintage, we did benefit greatly from the fact that the Whitlam Labor government abolished university fees in 1972 and it wasn't until the Hawke Keating government reintroduced them in the late 80s that all this kerfuffle and craps began. 
Because when you went to a university, we didn't rely on overseas students to actually fund the universities. It was came out of consolidated revenue. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And because uh, before then, university, as you know, was the was basically almost the exclusive privilege of the rich who could actually mm. afford mm. fees, unless you got a Commonwealth scholarship, yep. you know, to assist you, and you had to yep. work, obviously. All right, look, it's uh, four thirty. Middle of the interview, Terry. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's 4.30. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. I'm uh, chatting. This is not an interview. I'm chatting to Terry Stavos. And um, all I can say is the program is podcast. You can listen to it later on on 3cr.org.au. All right, Terry, let's fast forward a bit. So... What were you studying at university? I, I did. Uh, I did in in my undergraduate uh, degree. I did um, economic history and uh, political science. All right. So you basically your childhood dream became a reality. Yes. Yes. Well, how did you feel about doing this? Oh, t- t- terrific! Mm-hmm. It uh, it was it was the start of what I've where I am today. All right. And and what was that? What but that doesn't pay the bills. Of course not. So what happened once you've got your degree and uh, you've given up the milk bar, you've sold the milk bar? Well, um, I then t- took a year off and then th- then did honours. You took a whole year off. You'd yeah. saved enough. Well, uh, I actually, um, actually I was sort of like working through employment agencies, you know. Right, right. As a temporary, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, as a, as a temp and, you know, yeah. and and th- th- then that way I was able to, uh, uh, to survive, you know. I assume by that time the kids had come along too, hadn't oh, they? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so, you know, it, was, it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. Right. So you did your honours. What was your honours thesis on? Uh, I did it on Anglo-Greek relations from 1918 to 22, and that that's the basis of all what I've done ever since. <laughs> Can I ask why you picked that period? Well, because I suppose uh, I suppose what really got got my interest was because uh, I remember my dad talking about about um, about the about the Greek army going into what was then Asia Minor or Anatolia or modern day Turkey in 1919, and that just got my interest. And he talked about some battles that mm. the Greek army fought against against the Ataturk's uh, army, and that sort of got my interest and uh, and. And and also I remember that uh, where where I was born in Cairo, mm. apparently I, I grew up in what was then an Armenian Jewish uh, suburb, yeah. suburb or neighbourhood, mm. and mm. all these all these things you know sort of uh, impacted on me uh-huh. in, indirectly. But why Anglo-Greek relationships? Uh, because that the, the supervisor that I had that was her area of expertise was the Ottoman Empire. Right. So uh, right. so I had to choose a thesis, and then uh, of course then I started uh, because as part of my before I did the thesis I had to do some coursework. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had four modules, yep. and part of that was British history, and that's what opened up my my interest in uh, in, in in British mm. uh, British imperial history. You know, mm. at the turn of the twentieth century, and, and of course mm. beyond. And what did you find out about this period? Well, well, what I found out about this period is that uh, a lot of the problems that we have in the Middle East today stem from that period. All these secret treaties that were what, neg- what, what secret treaties? Let me explain. When when the First World War began, the 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 Ottoman Turks were were allies with Imperial Germany, but but it, when the war did kick off in in Europe, the the Ottoman Empire told Britain, France, and Russia that we're going to remain neutral. But in the meantime, 
they had negoti- they had negotiated a secret treaty with the with the Germans. So when the time came, they would enter the war of their own choosing. In in the meantime, the the Anglo-French told the Ottoman uh, government, "If you remain neutral, you have nothing to fear." But once but once uh, the Ottoman Empire entered the war and started shelling Russian naval positions you know, on the Black Sea, that that changed everything. Mm. And so so then after that, the uh, Britain. France, Russia, and then later on Italy, they all worked out all these secret uh, treaties to parcel out the Ottoman Empire into spheres of influence. Right. Now, can you explain to me and the uh, 557,000 listeners, what was the extent of the Ottoman Empire at the end of World War I when it was parceled out? Well, before, uh, at, the, uh, at the end of the uh, First World War, um, the Ottoman Empire, what is now modern-day Turkey, and, and, and uh, some part of it in, in Europe, right, all the way down to the Gallipoli Peninsula, mm-hmm. uh, the, into Mesopotamia, which is now modern-day Iraq, mm-hmm. and uh, also also the, Saudi Arabia, yeah, the, the Arabian right. uh, Peninsula. So how long had that empire been um, tottering and going for? Well, actually, during the 19th century, the Ottoman Empire was uh, dubbed the sick man of Europe. Mm-hmm. And every time uh, there was a, a conflict... Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, England, in particular, propped it up, right? Because they didn't want that the Russians descending down to Constantinople, or Istanbul, so they could uh, threaten the British imperial interest in the Eastern Mediterranean, right? So they're propping it up. All right. Um, so, what were these secret uh, treaties, which now have a profound impact on what's happening in the Middle okay. East in two thousand and nineteen? Yeah. Well, for example, uh, when when they decided to parcel out the the Ottoman Empire, uh, the the Russians wanted Constantinople and and uh, and the uh, all the way down to the Gallipoli Peninsula, so they could enter th- uh, into the Aegean Sea into the Mediterranean. That was the first one, the Constantinople Agreement. But there was always a, a rider in all that that they would only get that at the conclusion of hostilities. Right. So that, that's what the Brits did. So, so then the Brits had their own what's called the the, the, the Bunsen Committee, mm. which then started working out all these grandiose plans of passing out the Ottoman Empire into you know the French would have this, the you know the uh, the Russians would have that, the Italians would have that, and you know whatever. And what did the local people have? Nothing. Right. <laughs> I like it. Pure colonialism yeah. and yeah. imperialism. I love yeah. it. Yeah, they would have nothing. Except, yeah. well, how come the Turks? Got out of it with independence. What happened there? Well, well, well. The thing is that uh, when uh, when the Ottoman Empire d- surrendered, I mean, I could give you a whole a whole. Uh, no, no. I'll, I'll, look, I think people need to understand the historical background yeah. of what's going on in the yeah. Middle East today. Well, well, the thing they, is, in order to understand what's happening, we have to go back a hundred yeah. years and understand okay. these agreements and the impact they yeah. had on it. The key, the the, the key to uh, to what the Middle East problem is the Sykes Picot Agreement. So Marx uh, Sykes was a foreign office uh, operative, and uh, and Picot was was a French. They they decided to d- divide the Middle East in what's called direct and indirect zones of uh, of influence. So uh, so for example, Syria, what is now modern day Syria, w- w- would be French. Uh, Palestine, which is now Israel, w- would become British. Mesopotamia or or Iraq would become. British and so on, and that that was uh, and that's how they were going to uh, do. So that. These, these weren't um, 
organic? These were just lines on a map, were they? Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that's why the what the Kurds find themselves in this situation. Exactly right. right. Yeah. Exactly right. So just lines on a yeah. map. Nobody yeah. cared what was there. They just drew yeah. some lines. Now, so so as far as Italy goes and Greece goes, mm. the, the the British and the French promised the the, the same region to, to to both countries. Right. And and at the end of the at the end of the First World War, so being allies, they almost come to blows. Right. Okay. Which All is right. now southwestern Turkey. Right. So did this this honours lead on to any further studies? Um, yes, I did. I did my masters mm-hmm. at at RMIT University. Uh, I, I did my my thesis on the Greco-Turkish War, mm-hmm. 1919-23, uh, an Australian press perspective, which has now been published as a book. I wouldn't recommend you buy it because it sells for 177 US dollars. Uh, crazy, the, this publisher. Was it because it's an academic? Time. Yeah, is yeah, that the reason? Yeah. yeah, and I think there's a big profit margin. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I don't make any money out of it. Though, no. so. All right. Now, why? Well, what happened in the uh, Greek-Turkish War? Well, does that explain a little bit of the hatred that continues between the two powers today? To, to some extent, yes. So, what happened? Well, well, the thing is that, um, as you know, the Ottoman Empire surrendered. Mm-hmm. So, so then, uh, so then, um, in Paris, in uh, January, February, March, around that time. All the victors were putting in their territorial claims. Mm-hmm. And so Greece put its territorial claims to claim the region around what is now Smyrna or, or Ismir. And, uh, and the Greek army was given the, the green light by the, by the United States, France and, uh, and England to land troops there on their behest, on their behalf. And so, so from 1919 until 1922, that region was under Greek administration on behalf of the Allies. Uh, now, when the Greek army landed on uh, May 15, 1919, there was great, great fanfare from the local Greeks and uh, Armenians and, you know, mm. and Christians that lived in the city that they finally had removed the Ottoman yoke once and for all. But, uh, but as the Greek army was marching through the main streets of the, of the city, uh, shots were fired at them mm-hmm. and, they reta- and they fired back. And then all of a sudden uh, a great uh, thing happened where, where Turkish businesses were looted and property was destroyed and Turks were killed, etc., etc. Then all of a sudden, the, the great powers that sent Greece in said, uh-oh, I think we made a big mistake here. Mm-hmm. But, but in the meantime, the future le- founder of modern Turkey, Mustafa Kemal Pasha, or, or Ataturk, as he became later on, um, he was sent by the Sultan to uh, onto one of the Black Sea ports to begin the demobilisation of the Eastern Army of the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. And when he heard about what had happened and the events in, in, in Smyrna, he decided to form his own nationalist movement. And so basically Turkey had two rival governments from, from then on. Right. The Sultan's government in mm-hmm. Istanbul mm-hmm. Under, under, under allied uh, guns yep. and, and his rebel movement, which is now the mod, uh, in Angora or Ankara. Mm-hmm. And so, so, finally, so finally Ataturk formed, formed his uh, Kemalist army and then, then he finally drove the Greek army out in September 1922. But, but before that, there was the peace treaty, what's called the Treaty of Severus, which established supposedly the peace between the Ottoman Empire and, and the Allied powers. And, uh, and, and as a point of reference, Australia signed that Treaty of Severus. Why? Because, because we were on the, on the, with the British Empire. Right, okay. All right. So, so what was happening to the minorities in Turkey at this stage when the Turkish state was being created? 
Well, at the end of the Greek-Turkish War in September 1922, when they entered the city on September 9, 1922, the city was in was uh, they entered in an orderly fashion. But but within a couple of days, they then started their uh, you know the massacre of uh, of the Greeks and Armenians. Uh, the one part of the city where the European quarter was that was actually torched. And there's an infer- there was an inferno, and you see hundreds of th- you see thousands and tens of thousands of, of Greeks and, and other people lined up on the quay, which ran for about for a couple of kilometres, mm. and behind their back they had this raging inferno, mm. and and Allied ships were actually sitting there, the French, the Italian, the Brits, and mm. and the Yanks were, were actually sitting there, uh, watching all all this taking place. But but I give credit to one thing is the Americans were the ones that actually did most of the legwork and rescued uh, over a hundred thousand plus uh, Greek refugees and took them either to the Greek islands or or, or to mainland Greece. Right now, going back to the uh, creation of Turkey as a modern state, people talk about the Armenian genocide. What was that? Well, d- during d- during the First World War, uh, well, ac- actually. In 1911, the, the Young Turks, who, or the Committee of Union and Progress, who were the government of Turkey, they basically had sidelined... The, the, the real head of state was the Sultan, mm. but the Young Turks had sidelined him. He was mm. just basically a puppet. Yeah. So in 1911 in, uh, in Salonika, which was then part of the Ottoman Empire, because in November 1912 it fell to Greece during, during the Balkan Wars, and it's been mm. in Greek administration ever since. Since, right. Um, they they decided that uh, that that the uh, Ottoman Empire will be Turkey for the Turks. So so in other words, if the Christians don't conform, don't uh, convert to Islam, well they got to go. Mm-hmm. And th- this was a secret uh, meeting which which they had. And then when the war happened, uh, they always felt uh, because uh, they always felt that the Russians could use the Armenians as like, like a fifth column. Yep. And uh, what they did was on on April twenty four, what year? Uh, Nineteen fifteen. Right. On the eve of the Anzac landing, uh, over two hundred and fifty Armenian intellectuals in Constantinople were, were rounded up, and never seen again. Right. And two weeks before the Anzac landing, there was a, there was an, an order that actually came from uh, from Constantinople to to the Turkish to the Turkish governor. On the Gallipoli Peninsula, which was basically mm. there were a lot of Greek towns and villages there, mm. over twenty thousand odd Greeks were actually uh, rounded up and 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 hooked off to Asia Minor, never seen again. Mm. And how about the Armenians? What happened to them? Well, uh, the, the, a lot of the Armenians were actually the, 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 then started the the program of of extermination, deportation, and extermination. Now, in many cases, they they marched them into into the desert. They didn't feed them, and so so they just uh, dropped off uh, one by one. So they say, you know, we, you know, we never hurt them, you know, mm. as was what's called like white terror. That that's the sort of term that's used mm. uh, along the Black Sea coast. So some of the Armenians were actually taken in in in, in small craft and, and drowned mm. in in the Black Sea. We also have instances in in um, in uh, I think it's the Euphrates River where they were marched off and then then thrown off the cliff to to drown. Mm. Uh, there are also caves which were found o- over recent times, where where they where they would put in the Armenians and then and then sort of like uh, like the Nazis did with the uh, you know with the Zyklon B sort of stuff you yeah. know. So so 
these people, Armenians, had they been part? Had they been living there for generations? Or oh yes, turned... so they, you know, the the, mm. the Armenians actually lived there for, uh, or, let's say, from uh, from time immemorial. It's time immemorial. Yeah, so it's quite interesting, isn't it? The, 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 this this philosophy, not philosophy, the um, psychology of fascism. How you you create this the other, yes, and then yeah. you create the conditions yeah. which we see all around the world, yeah. even today, where yeah. you can actually, you know, you can throw out seven hundred thousand. Uh, Rohingya Muslims from Burma, yeah. you know, in a few weeks. Yes. Creating the, well, what do you think about Australia today? Do you think we're seeing some of those uh, same tactics being used? Well, in terms of demonising minorities, or because you've you've studied you've studied the period, you know the processes of genocide. Well, from what uh, from what I see, like like for example, that the one thing that we need to c- come to terms with is, for example, is the stolen generation. Mm. That is genocide, and uh, you know, uh, I, I've discussed this, you know, with politicians here, and they say, "Oh no, it's not genocide." Well, I said, "Well, I think you need to read the Genocide Convention and read some of the earlier works of uh, prominent genocide scholars, including my work, where it will show that to remove children of a minority comes under Article Two mm. of the Genocide Convention." But because you know, because um, if you if you acknowledge it. Then of course you then there is the process of reparations, mm. and that's one of the reasons why, like even Turkey knows mm. that the genocide happened in the, in that hundred years ago. But the thing is, if they if they open up their big mouths and say yes, we recognise it, I can t- I, I can assure you of this: uh, the Armenians are very well organised, and if Turkey ever says yes, we did it, they're going to hit them with some pretty big reparations mm. because. Talking about the stolen generations, what happened here? I remember many, oh, it must have been over a decade ago. Robbie Forp here of Fire First took a case to, I don't know if he got to the High Court, but he took a case to the to the court regarding genocide, and it was thrown out of court because Australia has never signed the Genocide Convention. Is that correct? I think they. I I, I think we have. I think. I think. I, I can't swear to that, but uh, but from memory, uh, I think. I well, think when, when did the convention come about? Well, well. Well, well, the convention was actually the the, the guy who that the guy who actually uh, who um, brought out the term at genocide was a guy called Raphael Lemkin, mm-hmm. uh, a Polish Jew, and uh, it was started out in 1948 in the, in the UN. So uh, a lot of countries have have uh, have discussed it, and of course, I think uh, ratified it as well. Right. So, so what 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 is genocide? Genocide is basically d- destroying uh, a group in different ways. You know, uh, uh, getting rid of their uh, parents and, uh, and 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 taking you know the children and converting them like like the Turks did. You know, killing off the uh, the, the parents mm. and uh, and converting them into into Muslims or, uh, mm. or or the girls or the young girls are going well, into like Turkish harems. Well, like here, the Aboriginal people being you know. Yes, slaughtered. Yes, put into institutions, removed from parents. So, so what? What are the criteria? You said the, are there specific points? You said point two. What are the specific points? Well, look, I, I don't have at, it the, at the minute. Yeah, All right, okay. Now, why have you made this a field of study? Because uh, because I, uh, man's inhumanity to uh, to his fellow man or or person. Mm. Because because I think that. The reason why I took this interest in in history is because history is probably our greatest teacher, but unfortunately we never heed that the lessons of the past, 
because we seem to repeat them over and over ad nauseum, basically. Mm. And uh, and I think it's very, very important that history is revived and taught in schools. And I don't like in universities where history is attached to sociolo- to the Department of Sociology or to the arts and, uh, and f- uh, you know, faculty of uh, philosophy and all that. Mm. History is the oldest of all the humanities, is the oldest discipline of all. You know, sociology is a Johnny-come-lately discipline. Mm, mm. But, 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 but uh, Terry, history doesn't make money. I, I understand that. <laughs> well, that's why nobody's interested. Well, you know... And, look, and in a country where, where we have practised genocide, let's be clear, maybe we personally haven't, but we yeah. actually reap the benefits yeah. of that genocide, historical amnesia is an Australian um, characteristic. Well, it's the same, uh, you know... It's the same even, look, I've spoken to modern-day Turks and, you know, and when you tell them that, they, some of them don't even know. That's right. Well, most Australians didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know. They just thought yeah. the Aborigines just died. The Torres Strait Islanders just died, you know. I ju- just wanted to p- mm. pick you up on the point where you said about the stolen generation. Mm. I-, I have read in the National Archives documents of the, some of the commissioners that were attached to supposedly protect these people, their protectors, and one of the things that they had with the half-caste children, as they were called, which is quite an offensive term, really, mm-hmm. the children of a mixed parentage, they they took them out of their uh, out of their environment to breed the blackness out of them. And you saw this written in the records. The I've official, seen it. I've seen it read. Yeah, the, but because it, people say, "Oh, it was never official government yeah, policy yeah. to actually yeah, genocide was not official no. government policy," but your work. When you say talk about archives, how difficult is it to access archives in Australia today? It's easy. It's easy. You know, you can you know you can go to uh, on the internet, mm-hmm. put uh, national archives, and you can put whatever search word uh, that, that you come up. Uh, f- files which are closed, you can make a, a formal application for that to to be reviewed mm-hmm. and open. Of course, there, there may be sections in that file that that will remain not available for various reasons in the Archive Act of 1983. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, you know, uh, files have been digitised, so you can read some documents online and you can uh, pr- print them out. You can, uh, you, you can order files online, but you have to pay. The, the Australian Archives at one stage were very, quite affordable. Now they've, mm. they've made it even more expensive than the, um, than the uh, British Archives. Nice. Right, so people can educate themselves. Oh yes, oh yes, 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 you don't yes. have to be an academic. No, 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 no. Uh, no. Honors or masters. No, 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 no. You can no. just do it yourself. You, yeah. If you're interested in a particular subject, yeah. you can just oh, look yeah, at oh, it. Yeah. And, oh, that's interesting. That. that uh, now, how about physical archives? Did you spend a lot of time in physical archives? Well, I, I was just uh, just recently in, in the US, and I, I went to uh, to California State University in Sacramento, and uh, as part of a fellowship, and uh, I spent. A whole month there, uh, going through the State Department documents on Greece, mm-hmm. the internal the internal affairs of Greece from 1910 to 29, and downloaded absolutely thousands of pages of uh, almost a whole microfilm collection. Right. Uh, I need to sort. Uh, I've got sort of a, sort of like a project in mind to either write a series of articles, or even write a monograph on the resettlement of the Greek refugees from Asia Minor in Greece. In, right. Now, getting back to your other interest, the round ball, I understand that you are a passionate uh, club supporter. Yes, I am. I, I, well, what, I, what's the club again? The Heidelberg United Football Club. Them? Yeah. That mob of ratbags? Yeah. Well, actually, 
Actually, uh, da- actually, I um, very keen follower of our women's team. Right. How uh, long have they had a women's team for? Well, that that's part of the uh, because uh, we, with the the way the game's going now, football football federation Australia and and its state counterparts and territory counterparts, they're looking at to create a national second division. Right. Which will then eventually be promotion relegation between the A League. It's about time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, so, so as part of the criteria to play even, even in the state t- competition, which is called the National Premier League, you've you got to have a, a senior men's team, a boys' team, under-20s, girls' team and, and a women's team. So right. there's certain criteria for you if you want to be mm. playing in this uh, competition. In the old days, they didn't worry about things like that. No. But they, the just, they, just, they just worried about your ethnic origin. Yes, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. There used to be riots. <laughs> yeah, I've seen riots. I've, I've seen uh, guys chasing chasing referees uh, with, with their uh, shoe. You know, yeah, yeah, okay, come well, here, you so and so. You know, I've actually personally my my son played soccer for many years and uh, and at a semi professional level, and we and we've seen our fair share of ethnic rivalry, <laughs> and that's been pleasant. Yeah. So, um, the Heidelberg uh, Football Club's uh, approached you to do a project. I understand. Um, Yes, I I approached them myself. Are oh, you approached them? Yeah, right. to to write the 60th anniversary of the club, which was founded in 1958. Mm-hmm. But the the project is, is stalled because uh, it's over the issue of of copyright. Right. Because they 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 want they want c- control of the whole project. I said no 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 no, you can't do that because when I worked at La Trobe University as a historical researcher, that the last couple of years I actually worked with a fellow colleague. We, we wrote uh, an unpublished history of, uh, of almost 160 past and present Greek soccer clubs right. from 1930 to about 2007. Well, that's devotion. Yes. <laughs> right. And um, so I, I cut and paste out of that to, uh, to, to start the, uh, the, the 60th. Right. But, uh, but the thing is, I said to them, and, and, and I said to them, my colleague and I are more than willing to make you a generous 50 50 split. Because I said, if you guys want the whole caboodle, mm. but what that means is if I write something that you don't like, you'll say, take it out and add this in. Well, I don't work that way. Right. You know, I, I take So you my, think academic credibility is, is essential? Well, you know, I mean... I, Central to the yeah, way you work. Yeah, yes, yes. Right. You know, so I, you, don't, you don't kind of fudge your, your Oh, no, 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 no. What's no. there is there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean everything that, that I write, even, even when I write for the National Herald, which is a Greek-American paper, mm. you know, I, I don't put uh, footnotes... But the, but the thing is, everything that I write there, I can go back to the original and say, there it is. Mm. So That's if people want to f- uh, look at some of your material, where would they go? What would they look for? That, that, just put in my, my name. In, well, spell it for us. Yeah, S-T-A-V-R-O-S, mm-hmm. at Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, Stavridis, S-T-A-V-R-I-D-I-S. And uh, if you put uh, in, in your Google search engine, it will come up with uh, with quite a lot of my, my stuff there. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you're most welcome to, to read it. You, you can make paper airplanes at it. You can you can mm. you, you, you you can make a voodoo doll and stick pins into me like that. I don't care anyway. All right, it's there. Well, it's there. Yeah. What, what research are you most proud of? Everything that I do. Everything. I, I, I take great pride in whatever I do. So whatever you do, you give it a hundred percent. Exactly. All right. Exactly. So you got any? Um, you're an old bloke, you know. You got any plans for the future? Um, I've got uh, I've got several writing projects uh, on the drawing boards now. Can you just can you talk about them, or are they kind of um, uh, you prefer not to in case somebody else pinches the ideas? Well, well the well the thing is uh, I'm not afraid to share my research because right. 
each person will do their own interpretation mm-hmm. uh, as such. Um, I wrote a, a series of, uh, of for the National Herald in New York, uh, Come History c- c- Part Fiction. Mm. So what I want to do with, with this uh, series is maybe write a historical novel mm-hmm. and maybe maybe a, a movie out of that. Or, mm. or you got $60 million in your back pocket? Well, you know, we'll find investors for that. All right. You've got to do the script first. Yeah. I'll get you to do that, Joe. You're, you're oh, like, yeah, look, I'm happy. You know, 50%, I'll, I'll do yeah. anything, yeah. 50%. Well, well, you've got $60 million, though, yeah. Yeah, obviously I've got $60 million. I've got 150 coming up on Thursday night. I've decided <laughs> that it's mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> look, nobody else bother getting a ticket because I've already won it. You know that, Terry, yeah, don't of you? Course, of, of course, of course, of course. Look, I'd like to thank you, Terry. Thank you, Joe. For coming in. It was a pleasure talking to you. I've known you for a number of years. You're half the man physically you were. I congratulate you on the fact that you've got your health back. I mean, the way you were going, I don't think I would have been able to interview you. No, no, uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, when I received you, the news that I did a couple of weeks yeah, ago, yeah. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can see now a line of direction as to, yeah, as to and, what I want to do. I'm very pleased for you, and I, you. I wish you all the best. I wish your family and your wife and children all the best. Thank you. And with researchers like you who are willing to Give it 100%. I think we've got nothing to worry about in this country. Thank you very much, Terry. Th- th- thank, thank you, you very, very much. much, Kelly. Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to oh, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble out the door Beat out old trouble on drum Beat out old trouble on drum Beat out old trouble on drum And kick all trouble out the door Beat me that rhythm on the drum Beat me that rhythm on the drum and kick old trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. Kick him out the door. Kick him out the door. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.